You're listening to a sermon by John Kong, pastor of Christian Education at New Life Presbyterian Church in Escondido, California. For more information about New Life, visit us online at newlifepca.com. That's N-E-W-L-I-F-E-P-C-A dot com. If you have your Bibles with you, and I invite you to turn with me to our text today, which is in Psalm 139. Psalm 139. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along in the bulletin where the text is printed for you. Um, And because of the length of the reading, I'll ask you to remain seated. Psalm 139. To the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God, O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is God's word. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words of hope and comfort, and we thank you that it has the power to change and transform our lives. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, well, superheroes are all the rage these days, um, and now that we're in summer, there's a lot of summer blockbuster movies coming out, right? and included among those is a lot of superhero movies. Um, if you uh, are a fan of those, you'll know like last month, the new Doctor Strange movie came out. Um, I think next month, the new Thor movie is coming out. Um, and if you add superhero movies with like TV shows that are coming out, there's there's so many superheroes and superpowers that, um, as a youth pastor, I find it hard to keep track when I talk to my youth students about it. But there's a lot. Now, every time I watch a superhero movie or a, or a TV show, I always find myself asking the same question. I always ask myself, John, if 
I were a superhero, what would I want my superpower to be? I'm sure we've all asked that question before, and I've had a lot of these conversations with friends and family um, and coworkers. Um, I've had many, many, many debates with middle schoolers, um, and inevitably, my answer always remains the same. I wish if I could have any superpower, I would want to have infinite knowledge. I want to know what someone is thinking when I'm talking to them. I want to know what's going on in the world. I want to know what the future holds. I want to know everything about everything. Now, given all that we've experienced um, in the first half of this year, I think that power to know everything would come in super handy, wouldn't it? Um, I, I was just thinking, it's, it's already, I don't know if you realize this, we're already halfway through 2022. It's been six months already. Um, and it's been a difficult six months. Right? In the very beginning of the year, we were dealing with the Omicron, um, uh, COVID Omicron um, in, like, rise in cases. And then now it seems like there's m- more rises in cases. And there's even some counties in California that are already reinstating mask mandates. And besides dealing with COVID for like the third year now, um, we're dealing with, we've witnessed other things like a war in Ukraine. We've witnessed school shootings and other shootings across America. We've, we've felt inflation nationwide. Right? And those are just some of the big macro things that we've had to deal with in the last six months. That doesn't even include the individual personal struggles that a lot of us have been going through. Right? In these last six months, some of us have been dealing with financial struggles. Some of us, health scares. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have dealt with conflicts in our family, issues at work, at school. Right? It sure would be nice to know when all these trials and tribulations would end and how they would all pan out. Well, obviously, none of us have this superpower of knowing everything. Um, But in our text today, David reminds us of someone who does have that power. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm that expresses so many wonderful truths about God. But one truth comes across crystal clear. And it's the truth that God is omniscient. That he knows everything. And specifically in this psalm, David reminds us that God knows everything about you. He knows the situation you're in. He knows what you're going through. He knows the struggles and doubts that you have. And he knows how he will get you through it. We don't know why some of the difficulties and the darkness, why we're experiencing some of that. It it might not make sense to us. We We can't understand it. But we can trust that God knows what he is doing and that he will get us through it. And David is reminding himself of that truth in Psalm 139 and we need to be reminded of that truth. And so that's what I hope to share today. That because God fully knows everything about you, you can fully trust in him. That because God fully knows everything about you, you can fully trust in him. And we're going to look at three things that God fully knows about us this morning. God knows what our situation is. He knows where our story began. And he knows 
what we're searching for. What our situation is, where our story began, and what we're searching for. Uh, So first, God knows what our situation is. Um, David starts off this psalm by painting a pretty clear picture of how God knows all your present circumstances, right? Whatever it is you're dealing with. Look at verse 2. David says, God knows when you sit down and rise up. He discerns your thoughts. Verse 3, God knows your path and you're lying down. He's acquainted with all your ways. Verse 4, God knows what you will say even before you say it. David is describing how comprehensive God's knowledge of you is and what you're going through. Right? There's not one aspect of your life he doesn't know about. Whether it's you're relaxing um, on a vacation or you're dragging yourself up in the morning to get yourself to school or to work. Right? He knows when you've accomplished something great like graduating high school or college but he also knows when you're struggling, like when you have to go to the hospital or when you have to find a job to make ends meet. And God doesn't just know your situation, but he also knows how you're going to respond to whatever situation you find yourself in. Right? He knows the opinions you have about what is going on in the world. He knows what you're feeling at work or at school. He knows your emotions and what you're going through, and what you're feeling when you're in home, and when you're dealing with your family. Right? He, God doesn't just know what you're going to tweet, or what you're going to post on social media, right? but God also knows what you've decided not to tweet, and what not to post on social media. He knows everything. Uh, my parents came to visit me last month for about uh, two weeks, and it was, it was such a blessing because I had not seen them um, in three years because of the pandemic, in three years face-to-face. And it was, a, it was a great time. Um, but those two weeks, it reminded me, it was uncanny how well my mom knew me, even though we hadn't seen each other in three years. There was one morning I went to pick her up, uh, her, my, my parents up at uh, where they were staying. And then I, and I go, I knock on their door, they open the door, and the first thing my mom says to me is, John, you did not brush your teeth this morning. <laughs> and I was like, what? Mom, how did you know? Now, don't get me wrong, I do brush my teeth. That just happened to be like the weekend of the youth retreat. I was all discombobulated. But she knew. Somehow she knew. That's how well my mom knows me. How much more does our God know us? And David gives us at least two reasons why God knows all these things about us here in this psalm. And one is because God is actively and specially interested in you. Look at verse 1. David says, God has searched me and known me. Um, The word search there has the idea of like a treasure hunter digging for treasure, leaving no stone unturned. It has the idea of a lawyer pouring through every evidence as they're preparing to go to trial. The Old Testament uses that word even to reference spies, spying out a land. David is describing God as someone who takes special effort to seek you out and to know you. From knowing your biggest dreams and aspirations to the tiniest detail, like what color socks you're wearing or what you had for breakfast. Now, David isn't saying that God has to do such a thorough search in order to know all these things about you and the circumstances surrounding you. 
Right? We know that God's knowledge is infinite and immediate. He doesn't have to learn anything. He knows everything. But David here, he's using vivid language to describe how much God knows you. All right, and the second reason why God knows what our situation is is because God is everywhere. Right? There's no place you can go where God isn't there. Um, David asks rhetorically in verses 7 through 10 if there was somewhere that God was not present. Right? If he went to heaven... God would be there. If he went down to Sheol, which is the place of the dead, God would be there. In verse 9, if he takes the wings of the morning, which is the east, right, the sun rises from the east, God is there. And if he dwells in the uttermost part of the sea, which is west for Israel, God is there. Right? No matter where David goes in this universe, God is there. Now, you might think as you're reading this and as you're hearing this, that sounds a little bit smothering. Right? Especially as Americans, we value our privacy. We don't like it when people know everything about us. We definitely don't like it when people follow us around everywhere. Right? But David, he's not describing God here like um, Google or Amazon where they listen to your conversations uh, at home or where you're going and, and, and record it. Right? But he's describing God here like a parent, lovingly, lovingly watching over us. God specially searches us out because he cares about us. God is everywhere with us because he can hold us and lead us and guide us, like David says in verse 10. Right? God knows us in our situation and our circumstances not to be nosy, but to help us get through them. And that's probably the most encouraging truth about God knowing what our situation is. God doesn't just know about our present trials and tribulations, but he knows how he will bring them to an end. Look at, verse, look at the second part of verse 16. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. David here is getting at the truth that God has a plan for us. That God knows your future. Right? God has numbered our days. And I know in English that sounds like a threat sometimes, right? Your days are numbered. But that's actually extremely comforting. If you walk into a hospital and you're nervous about a diagnosis that a doctor is going to give you, you can be confident that there is nothing the doctor can tell you that can change the number of days you have on this earth. Right? The doctor can tell you about your health. The doctor can tell you about what's going on in your body. But there is nothing the doctor can say that will shorten a day in your life because, that, because your days rest in the hands of a sovereign God. Brothers and sisters, trust in the God who fully knows what your situation is. Right, amidst all the difficulties and the distressing news that's swirling around us, whether it's war going on, whether it's shootings happening, whether it's COVID spikes increasing, live not in fear, but in faith that your Heavenly Father has already determined your days. And nothing this world throws at you can change that. 
And so first, God knows what your situation is. And second now, God knows where your story began. As David is reflecting on how much God knows him and how much God knows his present circumstances, he naturally thinks back to when God created him and formed him at birth. God knows all of us fully because he was the one who created us in the first place. Right? He knows the beginning of our story. Now when we talk about God the creator, we, we generally think in terms of creation in general. Right? God created the heavens and the earth. Less often do we think about God the creator as our personal creator. And yet that's what David's reflecting on here in verses 13 through 16. Right? God, uh, David describes God as knitting you in your mother's womb. That God intricately wove you together. Similar to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 64, that God is the potter and and we are the clay. But David here is not just saying that God created your physical body, but God also created your personality. He created your emotions. He created your passions, your desires. Verse 13, when David says, God formed my inward parts, that word literally translated from Hebrew as actually inner organs. Right? And it's a, it's a Hebrew way of saying your entire inner being. God knows you so well because he created every single thing about you. From the number of hairs you have on your head, to why you're an extrovert or an introvert, to whatever your Enneagram number is and why your Enneagram number is that, or, or whatever your Myers-Briggs personality test is. Right? God designed everything about you. And that shows us how much God cares for us, doesn't it? God was meticulous when he made you. He formed you with painstaking detail. We didn't come to existence just because of some biological reaction. But as one commentator put it, we are the artistry of divine activity. That's why we plead with people not to get an abortion. Because God knew you even when you were in your mother's womb. God knew you when you were an unformed substance. When nobody else could see you, God was making you in secret. And if that's who our God is, a God who cares so much about you that he carefully designed your every last detail, then we know that we can trust in him. Because he created you for a purpose. God put you on earth for a purpose. There was a reason God created you the way he did. David praises God in verse 14. Because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That that phrase fearfully and wonderfully made, I I feel like in Christian circles we we say that a lot. But but when you you look at it, it's, it's confusing at first. What does that mean we're fearfully and wonderfully made? But that phrase has the connotation of being distinct, of being set apart. Right? David praises God for not just creating him, but for creating him to be a part of God's plan. It's similar to what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 29. Right? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We can trust God because God knows the beginning of your story 
And he wrote your story with a plot already laid out. And that plot ends with your hope and your future. But part of knowing our story, however, is also knowing our failures. And God knows those too. Or look at verse 11. It's part of the section in the psalm where David has been asking God where he might flee from his presence. Like David has acknowledged there is nowhere he can go to escape God. And so he asks about a scenario in which darkness covers him. And he's surrounded in darkness. Why would David want to hide from God? Why would David want to be surrounded in darkness? Because David knows he's a sinner. And because David knows, God knows that all too well. Right, we've seen this in other places in Scripture. Right? From the very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned and ate from the tree that God told them not to eat, they tried to hide themselves from God. They didn't want God knowing what they did. And at the end of Scripture in Revelation 6, the Apostle John has a vision of the people on earth who rebel against God, and those people cry out to the mountains and rocks and say, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of God. From the beginning of of humanity to the end of mankind, no one can stand it when God comes to hold you accountable for your sin. The default reaction for us is to hide. And David knew this only too well. David was a man after God's own heart, but David was also a man that sinned and failed miserably. His most famous sin is probably when he had an affair with Bathsheba, when he murdered her husband Uriah. Can you imagine what David felt like when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet? My secret is out. My deepest, darkest, most heinous crime has been made known. What is God going to do to me? Is God going to remove me as king of Israel? Is God going to forsake me and my family? Is God going to kill me? Right, I'm sure all those thoughts probably crossed his mind. And a, a natural reaction of his might have been to want to flee. Right, to hide in the darkness. To hide in his sin so that the light doesn't shine upon it. And so you can only imagine the relief then when Nathan tells David... The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. Now, David, of course, had to suffer the consequences of his sin, but God did not forsake him. God did not kill him. God knew how heinous David's sin was, and yet he still loved him. The same is true with us, brothers and sisters. God knows your sin. He knows what you try to hide from everyone else, from your family, from your friends, from your coworkers. He knows the deepest, darkest secret that you hope no one ever finds out. And yet he still loves you. And the question we should ask ourselves is why? Why, when God knows those things about us, why does he still love us? And the answer is because of David's greater son, Jesus. Or look at verse 12. 
David says, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The darkest moment in the history of humanity was when the Son of God, Jesus Christ, died on a Roman cross for your sin and for my sin. When God was knitting you in your mother's womb, he knew that his son would be torn on the cross. Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself and experience the ultimate darkness for you and for me. But praise God, even that ultimate darkness was not too dark for him. Right? God knew what he was doing. As David says in this psalm, truly darkness is as light with God. Jesus turned the darkest night in human history also into our brightest day. Right? His death washed away our sins. Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death, and therefore guaranteeing that we will also one day rise from the dead. Jesus went through that ultimate darkness so that you and I would never have to. That's why even though God knows all your sins, even though he knows all your shame and guilt, he knows all the dark secrets that you think nobody else knows, despite all that, he still loves you. He loves you because of what his son, Jesus Christ, did for you. And what's most amazing to me is that God knew, God knew all the sins you were going to commit. God knew all the wickedness that was in your heart. And he still sent Jesus to die for you. That's how much God loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's how much he treasures you. How can we not help but trust in a God who loves us that much? Who knew how sinful we were from the beginning and was still willing to send his son to die for you and for me. That leads me to my last point. God knows what you're searching for. Right? Knowing everything Jesus did for us, how he turned our darkest night into our brightest day, how should we respond? What should be our heart's desire? Well, David tells us at least, at least two things we should desire and search for. And both those things God knows and he will provide. Right, first, David tells us we should look for and ask for deliverance from sin, from wickedness. Right, in verses 19 through 22, David has a shift. Did you notice that? He shifts from now praising God to asking him to deliver him from evil, to bring his righteous judgments on those who are against God. David has been reflecting on how much God knows him and cares for him, how a God who formed him, who knows all his shortcomings, still loves him and is there for him. And so David's response is one of loyalty to God, right, and hatred for those who are against the Lord. What about you? What is your attitude towards sin? Does knowing how much Jesus sacrificed to save you inspire you to hate your own personal sin? Do you have the same posture Isaiah did in Isaiah 6 when he has a vision of, the, of God on his throne, high and lifted up, and he realizes he is a man of unclean lips because he knows his unworthiness, he knows his sinfulness? 
Right? The truths in Psalm 139 should, should spur us to want to be killing sin and not let sin be killing us, as John Owen famously said. But as you read verses 19 through 22, you might feel a little bit uncomfortable saying the same things David says here. How can we pray the same things David prays here? To ask God to slay the wicked, to hate those who hate God. Right? That's, that's not what we often say as Christians. It's not, not often what we pray as Christians. Well, we can say the same things David says here. We can pray those things the same way Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Right? When we pray the words, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we are praying that at the same time, the kingdom of Satan be destroyed. Right? The enemies of God be eliminated. And after everything Jesus has done for us, we want his kingdom to come. We want his justice to reign. We want to be his loyal subjects. And at least the second thing, David tells us what we should search for, which is the way everlasting. Right? Not only should we be searching out our sin and killing it, but we should be searching out how to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. In a way that signals to the world that He has saved us, that we belong to Him. That's how David concludes this psalm in verses 23 through 24. Right? When he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David wants God to fully know him, to know his worries, his hopes, his doubts, his aspirations, and he is looking for God to show him how to live amidst all those feelings. God knew that's what David was looking for, and he led David in the way everlasting. Is that also your desire? Is that also what you're searching for? Right, my hope is that you will make verses 23 and 24 your prayer. And you can pray them even more confidently than David could. Right, because you know what Jesus accomplished for you. You can boldly ask God to search you and to know you because you know that God fully loves you based on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Let me close with a personal story. When I was in high school, I had a Bible teacher that I really liked. He was very knowledgeable. He was a great teacher. Um, but he was also very kind. He was also very caring. Uh, but one time, in the middle of the semester, however, he gave us a test. Um, and I was honest. I, to be honest, I didn't study a lot for the test. And so during the test, I cheated to get a better grade. Now, I knew my teacher didn't catch me. Right? And so days and even weeks went by, and everything seemed normal. Uh, I, was, I was pretty nervous at first. I was actually scared. I was, I was guilty. I was shameful. But as time went on, I felt like, oh, I hid that pretty well. Nobody, nobody knows. Well, unbeknownst to me, one of my friends in the class saw me. And she, she went and told my teacher. Now, I didn't know that. But sometime later my teacher texts me and, and asks me to, to grab lunch. And I'm thinking, oh, he just wants to catch up. He wants to know uh, how my college application process is going. He wants to know, um, he wants to tell me how well I'm doing in his class. Right? I had no idea what was coming. But when we sat down, he said two words 
to me. That shook me to my very core. I still remember to this day. He sat down with me and he said, I know. When I heard him say that, I froze. My heart was racing. I thought those two words were my condemnation. I thought I was going to get kicked out of my high school. I thought I was going to get rejected from the colleges I had applied to. I thought I was going to bring shame on my family. I thought my friends were going to ridicule me and leave me. But instead what happened was those two words that I thought was my condemnation actually restored me and gave me life. I still suffered the consequences of my actions. I still failed that test. But my teacher didn't condemn me or kick me out of school. Instead, he prayed with me. He cried with me. I remember breaking down in front of him and he broke down with me. He forgave me for what I did. He loved this dumb 17-year-old boy who thought his world was crashing down. Friends, you have a God who is saying those two words to you. I know. You have a God who knows your circumstances. You have a God who knows your sins. Who knows that you long to be fully known and to be fully loved. And the good news is, brothers and sisters, he does. He does fully know you and he does fully love you because of his son, Jesus. May we entrust our lives fully to him knowing that he will lead us in the way everlasting. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows us. We thank you that you are the God who formed us in our mother's womb, that you are the God who has numbered our days, that you are the God who knows us and cares for us from womb to tomb, and that you are always with us. We praise you that even the darkness is not dark to you and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to suffer the ultimate darkness for us and in doing so, turn that darkness into light. May we live our lives echoing David's prayer in this psalm. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our thoughts. See if there is any grievous way in us and lead us in the way everlasting. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to John Kong pastor of Christian Education at New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido. Please visit us in Escondido, California or online at newlifepca.com. New Life Presbyterian Church, Escondido reserves all copyrights as applicable by law. Thank you for listening.